0: Log Talk Radio.
1: emergency right now. Well, hello, everybody.
2: Hi, Roger.
1: Hi, Natasha. Hi, Susie. Hi. Hi, Amber. Hello. As you can tell, we don't take ourselves too seriously here, and uh, that's a good thing. So, uh, Amber is our guest today, and we have some other topics to look into we have some seriously thought about some changes to the nexus cafe which are going to be exciting but anyway let's let suzy be first up with amber how's that
3: okay sounds yep.
1: good to me that works for me okay hi, amber. what
3: hi suzy
1: um
4: let, I want to know a little bit about you. First of all, we know you're a poet, independent author, and publisher.
3: So, welcome, right.
4: welcome to the cafe. Well, thank you for having me on. Okay, how did you. Be, let, let's talk a little bit about your journey as a writer and becoming an independent author. When were you first published?
3: Uh, January 4, 2012, a uh, author I had become very good friends with, Barry Crowder, I had asked him to look at my work, and I sent him, I want to say, four or five poems. He read them and came back with, how many more do you have? And, you know, I guessed at about 25, 30, and he said, we need to get this out there. And I, I had no idea how the process went or anything like that, and very actually, he did everything to get me ready to go. He formatted my first book for me. He walked me through the publishing process on Amazon.com, and just, I mean, went above and beyond,
1: you know, and
3: so I finally, you know, got my first book out, and since then it's been a very amazing ride. Why
4: did did you ever attempt to uh, submit to a, a traditional publisher?
3: No, I've been approached, but it you know I know there are people who do publish traditionally and they're happy with the process. But for me, I like working with my editor. I like working with my cover design specialist. I clearly I format my own books, and it for me I don't want to lose control of. Um, my work. I don't I also don't like being told, well, you need to do it this way. So it I like being able to do things my way and work out at my own pace and not have to basically do it for anybody else. I when I write, I write for me.
4: Well I so noticed and I know I know from experience since you uh, formatted my book, you have a business called six two nine publications. Right. Uh when and uh, where uh, and how did that start?
3: Well, actually, it started because I'm cheap. I don't like uh, spending money unless I have to. And this is something I tell all my authors. This is something I tell all my students. You have to have an editor. But other than that, you can learn how to do your own formatting. And formatting can be very expensive, depending on the size of the book. And I also, I couldn't really afford to pay somebody to format it, so I just, I started learning, I started learning, and then people would say, well, I like the way your book looks, can you work on mine? And then people started referring people to me, and it just, it kind of, I guess, exploded. I had no idea that this was going to happen. I had no idea that, you know, this was going to become something, so it was, I just, I basically decided, you know what, I need to go ahead and open a publishing house. Experience. I know what I'm doing. I can actually help people with this. And rather than do a traditional publishing house, I wanted one that would assist independent authors. Where I don't do it where I get a percentage of their work. But I always try to push keeping them independent. Uh, you're cutting out,
4: Amber? Are you there? Hello? Hello? I lost you there for a bit. Hello? Hello. I hear you now. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um. Okay. Um, there's something I'm really excited about, and it's James in Frisco, Texas, better known as Indie Vengeance. Right.
3: How did... What is Indie Vengeance Day, and when
4: did it begin?
3: Uh, well, Independence Day is basically kind of this mass independent author signing. And it actually began a couple of years ago when several of us decided we're going to go to Hawaii and meet up. Because, you know, as I was friends with Dion from Australia. There were, you know, people throughout the United States. But due to financial problems, several of us had to back out. And then Dion... Found out her husband actually was going to have a business trip in Hawaii. And she said, well, if I'm that close, I'm going to head on to Dallas. I want to meet Amber. And, you know, I mean, she's coming all the way from Australia. So several other people said, well, if she's coming to Dallas, so am I. And I don't know who actually came up with the idea, but it was basically, well, if we're all there together, why not do a sighting? We have 17 authors. And, I mean, it was a ton of work to get something that large together. I've since learned I want to keep the limit to about 10 authors per event. So it just people ask me, well, are we doing this again this year? And we had, I think, 11 sign up for last year's event. And, you know, we did it a little bit different. We had it at two different restaurants. And this year we're fortunately back with Half Price Books. So, I mean, I'm very excited because these are people that – they're not only friends. I consider them part of my family. So okay, I mean, I'm just I'm to so been, thrilled is going to be in Frisco
4: on September
3: 18th and 19th.
4: Is that right. correct?
3: Yes, ma'am. At the High Price Books in Frisco, Texas. So it's come out if you're in the area, please come out see yes. us. Um, what what all our genres are represented uh, represented this year? At- uh, pretty much, if there's a genre, it's going to be represented. We've got autobiographical, you know, Stacey Roberts' hilarious book, Trailer Trash with a Girl's Name. And then we've got poetry, of course, You, Me, and Ben. We've got children's with uh, Debbie Reese. And we've got some really excellent, excellent fiction authors. We've got Julie Prane and Jackie Smith. And Jackie also will be uh, promoting one of her young adult I want to say she has one young adult out there. I may be wrong. She may, be, she may be have a second one. But, I mean, it's pretty much we're very vastly covered. And then Paula Walker-Baker, she also has a children's book that is just absolutely adorable. Then we've got James Piercy, and he kind of does fantasy, as well as, you know, straight-up mystery drama. So it's, I'm very, very excited to have all these people here again. Oh. So,
4: and I know you put a lot of hard work into it. Where's your um part that you want to take? I'm sorry? Uh well you you put a lot of work into this. Um this is our oh. what, the third year? Third year, yes. Um what do you see in the
3: future and why are you so passionate about it? Why am I so passionate about it? Uh well honestly to be selfish is- these are my favorite people, and some of them, this is the only chance I actually get to see them every year. I mean, Julie comes all the way from Canada, you know, but it's also, it's you meet so many amazing people at this event. Jackie Smith, actually, the first year, she wasn't there as an author. She came in and started talking to us, and I formed this really great friendship with her, and now she's one of our authors, you know. She comes to this event as an author every year, but it's I do it because I just, I very much love the written word and getting, you know, these books out, giving people the chance to come and actually not, well, not sit down, we'll all be standing, but, you know, be able to actually converse with authors. And this also gives me a chance as a publisher to meet new authors that come to the event. And to be able to actually help them get their work out, it's a very exciting feeling when somebody contacts me and I just hit publish. I mean, it's awesome to know that I, you know, possibly had a hand in that. So it's just the main reason is selfish, but it's also, you know, I do love the written word. So it's, you know, it's exciting to do this every year. I'm already looking forward to next year.
4: And also, I think it's an exciting event when people can come to a bookstore and actually, you know, as readers, a fan perhaps of a particular author, able to come down and sit down with them and,
3: you know, kind of rub elbows with a creator because a lot of people don't get that chance. Right. Right. And then, you know, you you actually get to know kind of what they're like, their actual personality because you're actually talking with them. And it's going to events like this, as a reader, you know, you get to see these people as actual real people. They're not just that photo on the back of the cover of their book or on their website or their social media accounts. They're actual real people. So, I mean, that it's nice to be able to be a part of that.
4: Well, uh, Amber, I want to thank you a lot for stopping by the cafe and sharing about Indie Vengeance Day and a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm going to be putting links up in the chat room for anyone that would like to visit those links and learn a little more about you and a little more about the event. And, again, I'm just really happy myself, proud to be part of the event this year. I had to miss it last year, so I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, um,
3: I I miss actually seeing you and talking with you in person, so I'm looking forward to actually seeing you this year.
4: Okay, well, I'm so happy to chat with you, and I'll, I'll
3: see you in Frisco. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Amber. Bye.
2: I wish I could attend Indie Vengeance Day. It sounds like quite a party. Well, you should come.
3: <laughs> Maybe next year. One of these days. Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, that's awesome to see someone's hard work come to fruition like that. I know how hard Amber works, and she's a brilliant writer. Really glad to have her here today. Hello, Roger. Did we lose?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Where's Roger? Roger. Roger Allen Bowes, Where
2: are you? So now how long will you take part in? Can you the hear
1: event me date? now? Me? Oh,
2: there you go. Now <laughs> we can hear you.
1: <laughs> go ahead. Finish. I, I was interested in hearing It's a weekend event,
4: that. event, isn't it? Yes. It's uh, uh, Friday and Saturday. Friday evening and Saturday afternoon.
1: And the date uh, is? One of these
4: days. It's uh, September eighteenth
1: and nineteenth. What a perfect time! September That's wonderful. So, anyways, Love now September. that w- we cleared that up, you know what's really strange is the background noise kind of went away too. Or maybe yeah, it like it was
2: wind in a microphone,
1: I think. Oh, yeah, everything is so sensitive. But anywho. Would you like to bring us your segment, Natasha?
2: Sure. I um I recently had the privilege of traveling home. Um eighteen hundred kilometers we drove. And now you're gonna get some background noise from me as my little dog tries to settle himself
0: in his bed. <laughs> Too funny.
2: But um I I take a lot of inspiration from the road and driving, and uh, my piece today is is just uh, writing in respect of that and the the balance that I find on the asphalt, and it's called Drive Mm. to Inspire. There are times, even in the simplest of lives, it can all become too much, when the noise of the outside world sneaks up, overtaking us, sometimes I can find solace in a song, a quick fix. A gentle reminder that no matter how frantic things may be, I'll always have the magic of nostalgia. But I find my real medicine on the road. in the secrets found in the whisper of rubber spinning and asphalt, crunch of the gravel, and long-forgotten parking lots now overgrown, the call of the loon as your headlights break the lake water, and you slide around that turn just a little too fast. On the road, I am lost, but I am fearless. We know paths already traveled lead somewhere, and we come to the road seeking no destination. On the road I am alert, senses awake, aware, and hungry. With window down and wind in my hair, I miss nothing. Every mile smells different, city to township, to pastures, to sea. Overhead wires hum a familiar soundtrack. You can see the colors of their song if you look hard enough, dancing forever dancing in waves of green and pink. The stars are bullet holes in the Star Wars sky. My eyes, trained to seek out the bodies of the burning and the dead as though my wish could save them. Universes rise and fall in the time it takes for the sun to take over. Civilizations dawn in his rays. The road is bright and sparkling. Wide open, we drive on. Morning smells as different as the night do, send it with inspiration, becomes imagination's ink. Away from the noise, the story starts to write itself. By the time we cross the sea to where the clouds wait to greet us, the only noise is the sound of the world as it really is. So quiet you can hear the blade of grass turn in its tangle with the sun. But we always knew it was never really the world we had to quiet, only our heads, quarters of worries and stresses that they are. With every mile those voices lessen. space clears out. Our worries become litter on the roadside and somewhere, lost in fresh air and open sky, we regain our strength, find the courage to retrace our steps, and recharge we are blessed with the energy to try again.
1: Thoughts on the Open Road, by me. Fascinating thoughts. <laughs> and did that I just come to, to you or... You live to drive?
2: <laughs> I I've been bombarded with inspiration. Um I oh. just the differences as you travel mile by mile. It's it's hard to put it into words. So I've had no words these past couple of weeks as I've been traveling. So now mm-hmm. it's all coming to a head, so to speak. But those moments and when and that silence when you can see the world, just the world, no BS, nothing that we've Built to a monster in our imaginations. Just you and the road. It's it's a healthy way to take it down a notch.
1: <laughs> well, we mentioned a year or so ago, and we've also mentioned at what the out the positive effects of the outer door can do for us to be outside, to be in nature, and we have a whole population that is is coming into. Being that really Is not oriented Toward Trees or nature or that You know there's a lot of people And you do see them out there But you also see What they leave in their wake you know Bottles and cans
2: The energy Of a place I know You know we're we're going from two lane Northern highways to to Six lane hundred series highways It's just you feel the pulse, right? And I find as we come from the middle of nowhere into the populace again, even that ups my blood pressure
3: as though oh, all really? their
2: stress and whatnot, are, you know, is jumping into my bandwagon.
3: Mm-hmm. So I,
2: I do well on the outskirts and on the fringes and dip my toes into city living very, very rarely.
1: <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it's, you get to pass
2: um, through to get from point A to B.
1: So. Yeah, and it is an energy factor, which we've talked about, too. And, um, you know, we're either going to, and we've said this before, we're either going to progress together as a species, or we're going to have challenges. And um, part of what brought forth all of this, talking about food and how food affects us, uh, you know, is there is information out there if people avail themselves to it. And that's why we were talking about setting up a, a group or another page or something to address issues of health concern. Because when I was reading on homogenized milk, how bad it is, um, you know, it kind of shocked me. I think we all grew up on the, the commercial with the milk. How how it helps the body. And it yet the there's different good. Yeah, it does have different types. There's raw and pasteurized. <clears throat> so, um I'm thinking that we might wanna start it up as a as a blog and add things to it. What do you think, Natasha?
2: Oh, I think so. And 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 try to promote, you know, conversation. There's so much to know in today's world that we didn't know even five, ten years ago about what's going into our systems and what we can expect from what we're putting in. And I mean, I think everything comes back to our diet.
1: Right. And people that I talk to that are into this say no sugar. and, oh, and that's worse. Any sugar. And uh, you know, you can look on your boxes of cornflakes or whatever, and sometimes it's not even added sugar, but it's the added sugar of the corn. Wouldn't you think, Susie? Yes. Yeah. Now, you have the some fructose opinion corn syrup. That's deadly. Corn syrup is kind of deadly, isn't it? Hello? Well wow. <laughs> Somebody mentioned Anything corn syrup. Anything sweet
2: like that, it, mm-hmm. it's your body's flight or flight response, right? Even aspartame, the sweetness, will pull from your body the same reactions as sugar. So you have to watch that
1: as well. And speaking of eating healthy, you know, soy is supposed to be very healthy, yet... I was hearing and reading something of the fact that soy or slash tofu will actually pull some things from your body that you need, like magnesium. So there's a there's a whole course it's too bad we don't have some nutritionists <laughs> around.
2: Always back to balance.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but um no, I think the more aware we become uh, it's like hypoglycemia, you know, which is like diabetic, diabetics, isn't it, Susie? Mm-hmm. Hypoglycemia. It can either be also,
4: hypo or hyper.
1: Right. Hyper would be the high one, right? Yes. And, and hypo would be the low one. But it's it's amazing some of the symptoms that people are being treated for. I was reading... Something on the symptoms of hypoglycemia, which is the low, but you can get insomnia, sweating, fast pulse, hot flashes, noise or light sensitivity, ringing in the ears, dry or burning mouth, worry, anxiety, dizziness. I mean, how many? If if you went to a doctor and you explained those, how many different opinions would you get on what you had? Then throw in lack of concentration or hyperactivity. What does that sound like? Attention deficit hyperactive. So it's like, you know, how do you discern what's good? And then it goes to talk about the hypoglycemic personality. Um, And they say that the hypoglycemic personality usually has a long history of sugar abuse and is often drawn to sugar in any attempt to placate some deep underlying emotional disharmony. Hypoglycemia, in turn, eventually causes its own set of problems. The brain needs adequate blood sugar at all times to function properly, so low blood sugar affects the mental processes. With insufficient sugar for the brain cells, the hypoglycemic person can develop foggy concepts or distorted moral senses. Especially in children, a lack of blood sugar can lead to retardation is often related to juvenile delinquency. Alcoholism, based on overconsumption of sugar in the form of alcohol, nearly always has hypoglycemic symptoms. So it's kind of mind-boggling to me, you know, that I really wasn't aware of until I just kind of dipped into it and I found all these different things. So well, I think I it's am, a, I ahead. am
4: type 2 diabetic. Okay. So I'm very familiar with high blood uh, although my blood my blood sugar is never dangerously high, but my body knows when it's higher than it should be. The same uh-huh. way when I have low blood sugar, um I've had episodes where I really can't think. I've known enough to call my husband at work, and I'm very incoherent. And he realizes it's blood sugar, and he literally talks me through what I need to do.
1: Wow.
4: He tells me to say, say if it's very low, then I need that sugar to to get it raised up. So there may be there may be juice. There may be we. I don't drink a lot of I don't drink regular Coke ever, hardly. But I have it in there before the event I have a low blood sugar event and he talks me through it. Wow. He says, "Are you drinking?" He asks me, "Are you eating?" because I'm I'm very confused. Mhm. And um and the problem with me and I've talked to the doctor about it because I also have ADD. And you can get super if something you're passionate about, you can get super focused on. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens to me. I write, I get super focused, I forget to eat. And oh my, my doctor goodness. has been drilling in my head, I need to set a, an alarm clock that reminds me I need to eat. Wow. So, I mean, well, I'm, living, I can... I'm living with yeah. type 2, so I'm very aware.
1: <laughs> I can relate to what you're saying. So you actually have uh, points where you become confused with what you're doing in that? Mhm.
4: Very confused. Wow. And you can, um, you I get really shaky. Uh, okay. The problem is, you know, and I my husband's always on to me. I have the risk of going into a seizure.
1: Oh, really? If it gets
4: too, I've never had mm-hmm. one, thank goodness, but that's part of the problem. And then I don't have really high blood sugar. Mine's been well, well managed, but if you get into a high blood. Shu- Blood sugar events, you can stroke, you can, you know, it's very dangerous, you know, because you, when you're a diabetic, you're at risk. If, if Everything they say, heart disease, anything named, a diabetic mm-hmm. is at risk for it. Hmm. So you really, I really, if anybody's listening to this is diabetic or thinks they're diabetic, you really need to manage it because it's, Unless you're having regular blood work,
3: mm-hmm. you
4: could be very far into diabetes before you're even aware of it, and that happened to my brother-in-law.
3: Oh, my he was goodness. so
4: far into it, he had suffered eye damage, he had suffered this and that, because he didn't know. So my
2: father was diagnosed type 2 adult onset when he went for an eye exam,
0: mm-hmm. and...
4: um uh,
2: The man had never worn glasses in his life, but the doctor saw the need to pull his driver's license until he got a pair of glasses, right? That's how quickly it came onto him. And uh, once they got it sorted, his blood work done, and they got him on a diet, uh, his eyesight came back, and he's been doing great with managing his diet. He lost 40 pounds, and his sugars are staying in balance now. So, again, back mm-hmm. to, you know, the vital importance of our diet and what we're we're doing to ourselves with the, the sugar and the fast food and the processed food. It's just, you know, and my dad was a direct result of his diet.
4: Well, and even if the artificial sugars, uh, there are studies now that the, uh, the body – the blood sugar, the body can't identify sometimes. It doesn't know it's fake. Yeah, it doesn't know that that's not sugar. It, it reacts oh. It kind of treats it like it is. And you think, you know, like, I'm drinking Diet Coke, I'm not having regular. No, it can have basically the same effect. Plus, wow. it's um, from my own experience, when I was drinking diet drinks, It is an appetite enhancer
2: You crave sweets
4: I was always hungry because a lot of times your body When you think you're hungry, you're thirsty You have a a level of dehydration Diet sodas do not address dehydration In fact, they can dehydrate So a lot of times you get into this I'm hungry when you really need water Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -mm -mm. you know because with my experience, I've actually lost over 100 pounds since I was first diagnosed as being type 2 diabetic. I did it with diet and exercise, no pills, no surgeries, just hard work.
1: Mm. Well, that's that's good that you can control it like that because they say there are 25 million Americans and 347 million people worldwide with this, and there's going to be more coming and it's just because of our lifestyle. And, well, and if you look
4: at the side effects of a lot of diabetic medicines, it's weight mm-hmm. gain. And how it's that's what? going to help, I do not know. But if you look at the it's, side effects, they are weight gain. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A lot of them. If you look at the side effects of some of these uh, drugs for diabetes, weight gain is one of them.
1: Hmm. I wonder why.
4: Because I, I, I think in some ways when uh you, like when you take an antidepressant that can cause weight gain it's the effect in the brain. So you have to be really mm-hmm. careful and you have to be really aware of what kind of drug it is. And everybody's different, you know, mm, and how it right. how it's going to affect you, but um in in order to to get a handle on the disease, you have to relearn how to eat because my eating was out of control. I, I would, I'm, I'm an addict. I just have to call, call it. I'm a food addict, a sugar addict,
0: mm-hmm. and
4: I really have to. You're like going through withdrawal and rehab at times when you realize how much you've consumed and you have to withdraw from it, and it's not very pleasant to have to do that. So. Just be, aware, the,
1: of your the, be aware, aware of. Be
4: aware of. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just people uh-huh. need to be aware of their body. They need to learn their body signals.
1: And if you're lucky enough to find a physician who will treat you as an individual,
4: mm-hmm. you
1: know, not not just the one size fits all. You know, and so we're oh, we're gonna. Prescribe glipizide for you, and then the side effects of some of these, which are sulfa derivatives, people are allergic to.
3: Mhm.
1: So it's it's like a real difficult challenge. Um, yeah,
4: because I've had seizures from medicine, and I've had um, I I was close to death from another one. So
1: yeah. Sounds sounds like you've really had your. You sound like you could almost be a nutritionist.
4: Well, I've had to learn get, a lot.
1: Yeah. And then with foods and spices, are they, how do you relate to spices? Are you okay with those, like turmeric and chives and garlic?
4: Oh, yes. Uh, in fact, um, turmeric is a an, uh, natural anti-inflammatory. And mm-hmm. so I... I can't eat that much turmeric during, you know, cuz I I can't just eat I just can't eat that much spice, so I take it in capsules which helps with uh joint pain and uh so many disorders are autoimmune disorders or in, inflammatory disorders. So mm-hmm. diabetes is considered an autoimmune. So anyway, that's one of the things I use also is turmeric to address the inflammation.
1: Uh-huh. Now, do you just take them like in the capsule or something like that?
4: Yeah, I take it in a capsule twice a day. But you know, I can use—I'm I, I, all right with eating it, but I can't eat that much turmeric in a day's time. So.
1: Oh, I can imagine. And there's but so many things. The same way things. with
4: cinnamon. Cinnamon helps yeah. with blood sugar, so I take cinnamon capsules because I can't consume that much cinnamon in a day either.
1: No, oh. and sometimes they recommend like horrendously high amounts. Yes. And it's yes. like I don't think everybody can handle that, you know? No. But uh so do you limit yourself with, with your foods or anything or there's Oh, oh yes, that... I I um
4: I I'm not like the perfect eater or anything, but I learned um you have to learn what a portion actually is. Mm-hmm. Because we are so as uh, as society Especially here in the United States, we go to a restaurant, and if they give us what would be actually a portion size, we go like, "I'm paying for that." Now we triple mm-hmm. and double, and sometimes quadruple portion sizes at a restaurant. So I really oh. had to learn what the what a, a portion looks like. That is how much I am supposed to eat at a meal.
1: Hmm. Well, at least there seems to be more research that's being done in the field, too. The problem is to separate the good information from the not-so-good information, yeah. whatever that yeah. is. <laughs> but, you know, there's, like, different vitamins, too. Do you take a lot of vitamins?
4: Well, not so many. I I don't want to do a commercial for it, but I use a, a – it's called zeal, and it's a powder. Mm. And it has uh, vitamins and all these different things in it. I add some water or some juice, and I drink it every morning. Um, and since I started doing that, I have been—I I don't ke- i haven't kept, caught a lot of colds.
0: Uh, oh.
4: I have uh, more energy because basically it's providing my body what it—it's been crying out for because it's not getting it in food.
1: Ah, uh, that's right.
4: And so I. Uh, and I have, I supplement with fish oil and red uh, yeast rice because those are helpful to my cholesterol um, mm-hmm. and extra calcium. But yeah, I'm I've um, I and I my sister my sister Debbie she's really big into studying about natural approaches and that's how she's the one that told me about using the 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 vinegar and baking soda to help control acid reflux. Uh huh. And so, yeah, yeah, people need to learn. They can't just, you know, you have to be you have to be wise, and you have to mm-hmm. research. And it's hard to divide crazy from sane when it comes to you get on the internet.
1: Well, just so, like the old. uh people that used to go around with their wagons, you know, the snake oil. Oh, this will cure everything, you know, and that's not necessarily the case. But we do know that vitamins, like vitamin E, is is very good, isn't it? Uh, yeah,
4: one thing you I, – I have gone to a, a naturopathic doctor before.
1: Ha, ha, that's a key um, word.
4: That's, uh, that's really good because in naturopathic medicine – which they, it's not a, it's not a chemical compound like you would find from uh, getting it at a pharmacy. But they believe less is more. So if they they say you need to take something, you go and they want to give you something to take. It's not going to be this incredible milligram amount because that's part right. of that's part of way they work. Mm-hmm. They work with the body and we're. Prescription drugs, in a lot of cases, work against the body.
1: Oh, my goodness, do they? Just look at the number of prescription drugs out there and the side effects that they have. It's incredible. But vitamin E, from what I'm reading, uh, it's essential in keeping the, the blood itself flowing and slippery, thus helping reduce blood stagnation and clotting. So um but then it's helpful in the treatment of other disorders too. But uh Well, if you if, if
4: a person can donate blood, um that's really good for the body also.
1: Ah. Uh, My
4: mm-hmm. father donated blood clear up into his 90s. And he always wow. talked about after he donated blood how much better he felt. You're not only benefiting whoever needs that blood, but you're benefiting your own body. He did it for years.
1: Wow. I wonder, I wonder if that, and I know this is like really going to be far out, might be similar to fasting, because in fasting we're not taking anything in, right?
4: Yeah.
1: And that might be similar to fasting because you're not putting anything in, but what's, you know, coming out. And they say fasting is good for a, a number of different reasons. Now, have you done that?
4: Yes, I've done that in the past, but with now that I'm type 2 diabetic, I can't fast
3: uh-huh. because if I
4: run the risk of my blood sugar getting too low. Uh, so I have boy. to... Um, it can be a fast in a sense, but not where, where I am only, let's say, taking water for a certain length of time or whatever because of my blood sugar. I have to keep my mm-hmm. blood sugar to, uh, level or then I'm in problems. But, yes, I did it in the past.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And um, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you're talking about uh, physical health and mental health, I really believe in this society we need to take a fast from electronics. We need to set aside electronics and fast away from it.
1: Mm-hmm. To, I agree there.
4: Because it, it has, social media in a lot of cases, in a lot of things, it's not social. It's antisocial mm-hmm. in what's presented to people. You know, when you get into opinions, you get into this and that. And I think it's really affecting the mental health of a large majority of us. And I really believe if you're going to, you need to take a fast. I need to take a fast from electronics. Mm -hmm. Walk away from it. Meditate on something, you know, and get away from this overstimulus of electronics.
1: Well, they are saying there's some new research um, that is out there that talks about the electromagnetic frequencies. And they are saying, let me see if I can find it here right now. Um, And this is in reference to curing diabetes from Gabriel Cousins, M.D., who has a book out that's in its third incarnation called there is a cure for diabetics. And uh he talks about a toxic metabolic program that most people are on. And um 70 to 90% of type 2 diabetics have a member in their immediate or extended family with type 2 and 45 to 85% share the disease with an immediate family member. This makes a strong case that there exists a genetic tendency towards type 2 diabetes. Electromagnetically caused diabetes results in an increasing fasting glucose while in the electromagnetic field, which then disappears when one is removed from the electromagnetic field But while you're in it, you know, this just boggled my mind. And it says chronic electromagnetic frequency hyperglycemia fulfills the conditions for that case. These glucose (laughs) dysregulations may be brought forth by exposure to a variety of environmental toxins. Thus being said, the research on the epigenetic causes of diabetes brings us to some very interesting information. So now they're finding that, you know, if you're in the EMF field, which I would think you are when you're on your computer, right, Mm -hmm. then you're being exposed to it and it's helping to produce that. Is that well, what you... back
4: when I I uh, went to and had a discussion with an alternative medical person years ago, they that's before anybody was all into their cell phones and all their this. And she talked to me about where you sleep in your bed, about having all the, your clock, your lamp, your whatever plugged in, and you're sleeping right there with it. That
3: uh-huh. was years
4: ago. And that was before any of this other stuff. She said, it's mm-hmm. possible you need to have your bed where there's nothing plugged in around it at all. But that's not the case anymore. But that was years ago.
1: Wow. I think they're going to be discovering some things. But, you know, with the way that the corporates work and the other people work, which are concerned with just selling, selling anything, um, you know, they might not want that to be out there. Because like, um, what else does he say? I had never heard of this uh, Gabriel Cousins, but he's a, a leading expert in the field of diabetes. He says there are other additional causes for diabetes, such as gestational diabetes, and now electromagnetically caused diabetes, which is a newer syndrome that seems to be evolving related to electromagnetic fields. We're just about swimming in electromagnetic fields, aren't we? Yes. And, you know, what is this Wi-Fi? Isn't that like an electromagnetic field? Well, when we bought
4: our house in 2004, it had just been built in the fall of 2003, Uh it was... A smart home, home, what they called it at that point, because we have a central panel that everywhere in every room is a connection to cable, internet, um, mm-hmm. and so it, it, the houses way from from this point now are even more well wired for a uh, electric, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, we we can't escape it. We're living it, mm-hmm. and I think there's some, just for, at least for emotional health, we need to step away from our electronics, mm. and, well, and I, I'm
3: yeah.
4: bad about it, I'm bad about staying connected and checking, and but we really yeah. need time.
2: Natasha, are you there? I am. I'm connected. Okay.
1: <laughs> you are in the zone. Well, how are you? You know, how are you relating to all of this information?
2: Um, I the diabetes. I also have both of my in laws were diagnosed with adult onset, and my mother in law is now type one. Right? She's on insulin oh. and and going through the rigmaroles of that.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, electromagnetically, in my career as a real estate salesperson, I've had home inspectors lead people away from certain homes because of their uh, proximity to overhead wires and whatnot. So, you know, I guess it depends on, you know, whose information you want to go by, but, you know, some of these inspectors were adamant that, you know, brain cancer and illness would come as a result of living too close to these wires and the constant
1: hum. Wow. So... Susie, if you were giving somebody direction on how to avoid becoming diabetic or, or that, what would you tell them? First of all,
4: if you're really serious about it and you're afraid that you may be heading that way, I
0: mm-hmm.
4: would make an appointment with a nutritionist. Ah. Because you really need guidance on how not to be because everything we're inundated from everything we watch, everything we eat, and I would really, first of all, don't be don't be afraid to say, "Would you test my blood? <coughs> I need to know what my blood sugars are. I need to know what my fasting blood sugar is, and I need to know what my A1C is." If you're really serious, and if it's in your family, those are the first two things. You have your blood tested. And then um, they have classes. I know when I first was diagnosed, I went to uh, a class where a, a person, a nurse, she was a diabetic nurse, she taught us about blood sugars and eating and how to use our monitor and everything like that. So you really need to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's the first steps that I would do, if especially if it's in your family. Because people, um, uh, obesity contributes to it, there's no doubt. But there's people that aren't obese that are type 2 diabetics, and they don't know it. My father became a type 2 diabetic. Of course, he was advanced in age, and he was never overweight.
1: Oh, my goodness.
4: So you just, you know, there's you go to the doctor when you go do a checkup, have the conversation with them you know especially i have it in my family i would like my blood checked to see because i know we're an overweight society but like my father and his uh, he had a lady friend too she was diagnosed type 2 diabetic and neither one of them were ever overweight
1: i really feel that there's a lot of um truth in that a lot of what happens to us is through our food. I really think we're that we're dough. getting. I, I, I was drinking hemp milk, unsweetened hemp milk, and it had two grams of sugar in it for like three quarters of a cup. And I was told no sugar. So well, it's it,
4: that's kind of uh, because everything, especially if it's fruit and vegetable, has a, a natural sugar in it. You know, a carbohydrate—that's a that's a sugar. So to, right. you can't totally. You can get away from refined sugar. You can get yeah. away with uh, from, say, if you if all you're eating is fruit, you're getting sugar. If they, you know, you because as a diabetic, fruit I have dose. fresh fruit. But you cannot totally go uh, get away from sugar you can get away from refined sugar, but everything, right. even if you're eating raw has a natural sugar to
1: sugar it. sugar component so, because it's yes. either
4: that's the really if you if you're gonna do away with sugar it's basically you're gonna have to looking at refined sugar because you can't you can't eat raw and not eat sugar because it's it's in vegetables and sh- in fruits, it occurs naturally
3: Right That's a part and of the, it, the
4: makeup the, of of it So natural, uh, refined sugar is really what they're, you know, to get away from
1: Well, and that's the, the stuff in your graham crackers and your cookies <laughs> <laughs> you, Well, you know, that, they'll,
4: add they'll put sugar in anything If there's oh, sugar yeah. in it, we'll eat it Right Well, if they didn't put the sugar in it, we would go like, no, I don't believe I want that <laughs> But that cookie was sitting what? there without any corn syrup, no sugar, and you're going, mm, no, I don't want that cookie.
1: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with rational eating also. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will eat meat-free like every other day or every couple of days, but I haven't stopped meat, you know. Um and I'm just, you know, following the plan, so to say. I'm staying away from obvious sugar that jumps out of the box and grabs and tries to pull you in. And I think that's part of our society which is very exuberant and, and very excitable, you know, that it, it will go and not read the label. But So you would think that unsweetened hemp milk with two grams of sugar would be a rational Decision To use Uh,
4: Well it depends on where the sugar came from Was it sugar that was added Or was it a a natural Part of the hemp I mean that's the thing you look at Look at the sugar source Because um, Like I said there's natural sugars Occurring in any uh, Live fruit Vegetable or whatever that you're going to eat But So you have to and, And say If you're watching sugar, like I, if I got to eating a lot of raw, too much raw fruit, then I get into a sugar problem because it has naturally occurring sugar. So if you want Mm -hmm. to watch your sugars, then, of course, you would have to balance, balance it out with, you know, what you're eating. But with the hemp milk, I would just look and see where the sugar came from. Was it added? Was it a part of the natural occurrence of the hemp?
1: Right. Well, there's a lot to explore, so you're going to help us explore on this journey of food and health, Susie.
4: <laughs> well, I I just I'll try. I mean, I'm no expert, but I I I'm a living I'm living with diabetes. I've been living type 2 since 2003, and I, at this point, I've not had to take any medicine.
1: Well, that sounds pretty good, you know and just to have the concept out there. So I think this has been a pretty interesting voyage that we've taken today with Amber and health and things like that. And we'll see what we can develop and put into a blog or something. Natasha has left the room. She has to pick her daughter up. Uh Oh. So, um, yeah, let's continue along that. How does that sound, Susie? Sounds great to me. Okay, well, I'm going to call it off for today and close it with a song, um, a surprise song. Uh, Natasha Head reading Pablo Neruda, Sonnet 17, and then uh, One World, Hello, Where Has All the Happiness Gone? Good way to leave it today, eh, Susie. Uh huh. Okay, well, thank you very much.
4: You're welcome. And
1: then we'll be talking to you soon, see what we can pull together. How's that? Okay. Okay, and thanks again for the interview. Very nice. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Sonnet
0: 17, Pablo Neruda. I do not love you as if you were salt rose or topaz or the arrow of carnations the fire shoots off. I love you as certain dark things are to be loved in secret between the shadow and the soul. I love you as the plant that never blooms but carries in itself the light of hidden flowers Thanks to your love, a certain solid fragrance, risen from the earth, lives darkly in my body. I love you without knowing how, or when, or from where. I love you straightforwardly, without complexities or pride. So, I love you because I know no other way than this. Where I does not exist, nor you, so close that your hand on my chest is my hand, so close that your eyes close as I fall asleep.